0: Hey, what is up mile High homies? Welcome
1: back to mile Hire podcast episode 112 and today we are Conspiracizing a little bit. We are talking about the disappearance of Amelia Earhart Which is one of my favorite topics and i'm so glad we're finally doing this today
0: a true mystery as yes. well Something that we really don't know what happened to her. No, so We're gonna dive into that whole story and all the theories surrounding her disappearance But we've got some other things we want to talk about beforehand but before we get into those, we'd like to thank our sponsors for today. We've got Postmates, Stamps.com, ExpressVPN, and Aveo Vision. Thank you guys so much. Also, if you guys haven't checked out the Mile Higher 420 drop, definitely get on there right now and yes. get yourself some really cool merch because we ain't restocking that.
1: Mm-mm. And it's my favorite collection we've dropped Mm-mm. yet. I if love you love it. tie-dye, yes. there's some
0: really cool tie-dye stuff. Yep. And there's a really cool MHP logo holo sticker yes that that was your idea
2: and the grinders are so Mm -hmm. cool they're really really cool cool collection of those super unique so check them out and people were asking if they're the same grinders which they are right yes Yes. they're just
0: yeah they're the three-part grinders and Mm -hmm. yeah they're the same as the uh, mhp logo one so super cool stuff check it out but let's go ahead and jump into some of the news topics we got the first thing we're going to cover is some celebrity news. There's a yeah. couple celebrities yeah. losing their shit. It seems multiple
1: like multiple this week. It's yeah, been a real interesting one. It
0: really <laughs> has. I
1: think the virus is getting to people. Oh yeah.
0: Oh yeah. I think I think we're all getting a little stir crazy. Yeah. So I mean, it's not that surprising, but the fact that Elon Musk has <laughs> been tweeting a bunch of stuff and yeah. it's been kind of having people go like, well, "What's going on with you, <laughs> Elon?" <laughs> Because he has been first of all tweeting about his stock price of tesla and he tweeted that it was too high and literally the next day it tumbled nine percent and the basically stock lost 13 billion dollars in market value That's like overnight from
1: one of his tweets Mm -hmm. well it's a really bad sign when the ceo of a company is tweeting about it you know and saying that the stock should be lower obviously that just creates so much chaos and unsurety so
0: which is why when you look at analysts like they give you a recommendation whether or not to buy tesla stock or not it's mm-hmm. so split down the middle because yeah. the analysts are like you got to be careful because this thing jumps up and down up and down like crazy and you never know you know it's not exactly a stable stock that right you might want to put all your money into
1: because he doesn't seem too stable these days <laughs>
0: exactly what, what else has he been tweeting he was like
1: well he said Now give the people back their freedom. Uh, He was, let me just pull up his Twitter. Hang on. So yeah, the craziness really started on May 1st. Uh, He said Tesla stock is too high in my opinion. And then he said, now give people back their freedom. And then he started uh, tweeting the lyrics to
0: the Star Spangled -Spangled
1: Banner. Banner. A rocket's red glare, the bombs bursting in air. Oh, say does that Star Spangled Banner yet wave? Or the land of the free, home of the brave with a question mark, though? He's like, hmm, he's questioning things.
0: Well, it's obvious that he's alluding to the fact that he does not believe that we should be on lockdown and that the economy should still be. Absolutely. Well, there's another tweet of he's been going. He's been really active on Twitter lately. It's like he doesn't have anything else to do. He's been on Twitter constantly and like interacting with people. So people will reply to his tweets and Mm -hmm. he's going and replying to their tweets. Mm One of them was a tweet about global fascism, mm-hmm. and he replied to that and was like, this is what's going on. And basically, mm-hmm. and it had something about the left as well. So it's very interesting. He's definitely leaning on the side of like, we need to open everything back up right now. Mm-hmm. And like, let's end the lockdown.
1: And he also said, rage, rage against the dying light of consciousness. I don't oh, know it was what that's a very about. Interesting tweet.
0: I don't know. And mm, then the yes. fact that he's selling his house and all of his personal belongings. Yeah.
1: He randomly tweeted, I am selling almost all physical possessions will own no house. And then he tweeted as a follow up to that, my girlfriend and then tagged her is mad at me.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Which obviously and he I said, know.
1: there's just one stipulation on the sale. I own Gene Wilder's old house and it cannot be torn down or lose any soul. So I guess he's saying that's going to be the only house he keeps. Is he going to actually do that? Something's going on with him.
0: I don't know what's going on with <laughs> I him. I don't know either. Part of me is like, is Elon Musk going to leave the Earth soon? Like, yeah, is he just he's like hop headed aboard? out. Maybe.
1: That'd be wild. I don't There's know. There's just a news report. Like Elon Musk <laughs> actually went to Mars and he's already there. <laughs>
2: <laughs> he's live streaming in. <laughs> hey guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I made, it
1: from Mars.
0: <laughs> <laughs> made it here.
2: I made it
1: here. I don't know what's going on with him, man, but we'll see.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think he's definitely frustrated with the fact that you know, he's business is taking a huge mm-hmm. hit. The economy is taking a huge hit. Well, and everyone's
1: fucking frustrated, but
0: people are ready for stuff to open back up. And at yeah, the same time, the health yeah. professionals are like, absolutely not. We could have a second wave of this shit coming. Yeah, so.
1: absolutely. Or a third wave. And that's concerning to think about that. People want to just throw away all our progress that we've made. Like by staying in home, we've been set back hugely. But we want that to be for a reason. We want to actually have a benefit from that. And that means lowering our numbers. And if we just ruin it, it's like a waste that we stayed home all this time.
2: Yeah, that's a really good point. Honestly, I didn't even really think of it like that. It's so true, though. I mean, we are, I mean, some of us would agree agree that we need to be doing a lot more than Mm -hmm. we are, but we are definitely, you know, life has changed a lot. And it's crazy to think that, okay, so we are spending all these, you know, months indoors. And then if we have like a few good months in the summer where things die down a little bit, are people just going to go absolutely crazy and just you know, disregard any sort of rules or precautions. And then it's just going to come back up when fall hits. And then when flu season comes around, and is it all for nothing at that point? Yeah,
1: I know.
0: It's a really tough situation, I think, because I definitely see both sides arguments Mm -hmm. and I see that the, the economy completely crashing or, you know, this continuing for the rest of the year, even, Mm -hmm could be
1: it's devastating,
0: really, yeah. really bad for just mm-hmm. the, the world economy and market in general. And we'll be a lot harder to dig ourselves out of. But at the same t- time, you know, can you put a price on somebody's life? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and yeah, that's the hard that thing can. is like somebody's life or money. And mm-hmm. I think you have to go with people's lives clearly because, you know, that matters way more than the market or the economy because all those things can come back. Mm-hmm. It will come back. That's the thing is it might go down some more, but it will bounce back we just got to take this seriously and get this under control because yeah, I mean, I've been out in the past couple of days and there's already people that literally are acting like there's nothing going on, nothing mm-hmm. wrong, no masks, no gloves, no nothing, just walking around doing their thing. And it's very concerning. And then the beaches are opening back up in Florida. Like yeah, the uh, pictures of
2: the people running, there was a video of someone in Huntington beach, like not someone, but people, tons of swarms of people running around. It was like a parade. Yeah. I was like, what is going on? <laughs> just crazy i mean
1: it's not going to stop people either way from congregating like look there's people protesting in giant numbers like standing all together holding signs and coughing all over each other
0: i'm surprised that they haven't mandated wearing a mask and like you will I'm be fine if you're not too. wearing a mask they tried seems- to do
1: that in i think bulgaria we have a subscriber from bulgaria oh, really? who was telling oh. me about that but then they ended up uh getting rid of that because it was just too because, much of yeah. a pain because. Yeah, and I mean, just not everyone had them. And yeah.
0: Well, also, who's going to enforce it? Right. Like, police are going to spend what are all their do, time on you to put roll. people
1: in jail for that? Or I guess you'd find them. Yeah. I don't know. It's just, this is just the craziest situation. Watching this all unfold has been wild. I mean, just remember like a couple months ago on the podcast when this was all first starting and we were like, Is this a lot of people are saying it's like the flu and like we were so uninformed about it. Mm -hmm. And now this is the number one thing everyone's talking about. It's affecting all of our lives in such a massive way and will change the course of history. I just did not see this coming this year. I mean, who did, right? Right. But it's just mind-blowing how much everything's already changed from this and going forward, how we're going to continue to see those changes.
0: Absolutely. And I think that we need to figure out a better system or plan or approach to handling a pandemic like this in the future. Cause obviously the mm-hmm. human population is only going up. Oh yeah. So the chances of another pandemic happening after this is all over are very high. Mm-hmm. And so what are we going to do about it in the future? Like, is there going to be better ways? Like why don't the fact that we didn't even have like ways to disinfect oh. large areas readily available is very, very concerning. Yeah. Like it's taken so long. Like I think a Chinese company finally came up with a type of sanitizer that can be sprayed over everything. And it does oh, wow. a really good job at cleaning things. And right now only like hotels have it and places like that. But mm-hmm. they're working on making it for everybody to have so you can actually go and like disinfect your home and car and everything else. But it's super expensive right now. So the fact that that's not already developed, right. the government doesn't already have this in their you know, supply house to bring out for a pandemic. We're just not prepared.
1: Because they don't want to invest in things that might happen, like preparing for the worst. It seems like, you know, they're kind of just waiting until something bad happens and then hoping we can pick ourselves up enough after the fact right. you know which is just scary that that's actually how it works you'd like to think that the government would be a lot more prepared and ready for a situation like this
0: yeah well what doesn't make sense to me is the fact that the government has been spending millions and millions of dollars in right. somalia right, right now
1: oh yeah that i airstrikes. did see that i saw that they've
0: mm-hmm. been doing like a record number of airstrikes mm-hmm. this year the media doesn't talk about it at all and you know civilians are getting killed they're claiming they're going after terrorists in somalia Mm-hmm. and we're spending millions and millions of dollars just keeping our military out in the world attacking things and attacking groups and yeah. meanwhile back at home where you know people are dying by the thousands from this virus
1: and just all the secretive money that's spent in the military all the mm-hmm. time you know it's yeah. like people always like to say well, you know the government can only help us so much but they can be doing right. so they could much reallocate more. resources they could and- be helping small businesses they could really save us from this but you know
0: nope It's all about their agenda and what they want to do at the end of the day. 100%. Speaking of that, though, let's get into this next guy who's completely (laughs) lost his shit. Another
2: person. Yeah, you think Elon Musk has lost his
1: shit? Yeah. (laughs) Eh, Just wait. (laughs) Yeah, definitely Alex Jones has him beat.
0: (laughs) Yes. Longtime conspiracy theorist and now just whack job, (laughs) 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 pretty much is the best word for him. He has completely lost all sense of reality because a clip from his show that he does because he's pretty much banned everywhere. Yeah. But on his website, he can still do a show, I think. Mm -hmm. And a recent clip emerged of him saying some crazy ass shit.
1: Well, the clip was actually posted by his wife who was very concerned about his behavior and mental state. So we'll just go ahead and play that. And that's ex-wife, by the way.
3: I'll admit it. I will eat my neighbors. I'm not letting my kids die. I'm just going to be honest. My superpower is being honest. I've extrapolated this out And I won't have to for a few years since I got food and stuff, but I'm literally looking at my neighbors now and going, I'm ready to hang them up and gut them and skin them and chop them up. You know what? I'm ready. My daughters aren't starving to death. I'll eat my neighbors. See, my superpower is being honest. I'll eat your ass. I will. I'm combat model, optimum self-sufficiency, probably the leader. The point is, is have you thought about that yet? Because I'm somebody that thought I could fix this, and I'm starting to think about having to eat my neighbors. You think I like sizing up my neighbor, how I'm going to haul him up by a chain and chop his ass up? I'll do it. My children aren't going hungry. I will eat your ass. And that's why I want the globalists to know, I will eat your ass first.
1: (laughs) Okay, he's either lost his mind completely, or he's going like full Trisha Paytas troll mode. Yeah, maybe he's he's just doing this for attention. Yeah, I mean, how else is he getting attention these days? He's shut out of pretty much everything. So if he wants people to hear about him, he's got to make the news in some crazy fucking way.
2: That's one way.
1: Or is he just actually batshit crazy? Because I don't know. he, He seemed pretty serious about that shit.
0: Well, the thing about Alex Jones is what he does is he takes news that comes out and then he essentially extrapolates it yeah. and makes it like worst-case doomsday scenario cuz I mean there's a lot of people out there that think that we're like in the last days of earth right now and you Maybe. know
1: Maybe. How it suck.
0: I don't know. I mean, we could be. But it's
1: been pretty bad.
0: I like to be a little <laughs> bit more optimistic than that. Yeah, I do.
1: Too. But <laughs> I'm this just isn't saying the end. they might be right. I mean, I don't know.
0: True, sure, we don't know. So the thing is is that Like recently, the World Health Organization warned about possible food shortages in some countries due to global travel restrictions uh, that are in place right now to prevent the spread of the virus, obviously, as well as like meat packing plants are closing their doors and stuff because Mm -hmm. the risk is just too high of infection. So there's, you know, seemingly going to be some shortages of food. And then Alex Jones takes that and says, I'm ready to eat my neighbors. (laughs) I'm going to eat your ass. My kids aren't going to go hungry because I'm going to eat your ass. It reminds me of like some purge shit or something like the movie, the purge. Like that's where Alex Jones's mindset is right now. The purge is about to commence and it's every man for himself. Is
1: he really, does he mean that shit when he says it? Like, come on.
0: I think unfortunately Alex Jones crawled into the rabbit hole all those years ago (laughs) (laughs) and he has since lost lost his way completely. And now he's in some other fucking dimension where (laughs) shit is fucking (laughs) out of control. And like there's shit. He's happening all around. It. Yeah, he's completely yeah. lost it. Because, I mean, he is, acts like that everywhere he goes, yeah. any show he's on, any any yeah, clip man. I've ever seen of him. he looks
1: so angry all the time, too. He's just like. Rah!
0: He's like barking at you. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> so. I'm going
1: to eat your ass.
0: Which is unfortunate because Alex Jones, I mean, he's kind of one of the OG conspiracy guys. Yeah. And, and he back, wasn't
1: bad back in the day. Right. I just filmed a video on Bohemian Grove and Alex Jones got that footage. He snuck in there. He's the only motherfucker to do it, to yeah. go into the Bohemian Grove and get footage he was kind of like a journalist back in the day he was like close with joe rogan and a lot of people he was like respected somewhat yeah but yeah not 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 anymore definitely not anymore
0: drugs or something something along the way completely money derailed him yeah money too so
1: but we could talk about alex jones all day why don't we go ahead and get into the latest ufo news
0: yeah so this week the pentagon came out and formally released three unclassified videos of what they're calling unidentified aerial phenomena that's the new term that the government has coined ufo sightings essentially it's no longer ufo it's unidentified aerial phenomena now what's UFP. in yeah uap i mean sorry ufp Uf- <laughs> Uf- Uf- the
1: first person i heard saying uap was hillary clinton really yeah really i've heard her say that many times
0: Or was it Tom DeLonge when we listened? No, it was.
1: was Well, the first person I heard saying it was Hillary Clinton. Okay.
0: Well, these three videos, um, which if you haven't seen them, they're pretty interesting to look at. They're captured by military aircraft and they definitely show what looks to be some type of saucer. In my opinion, a lot of them look like disc shaped craft and they're moving at high rates of speed and they're turning and doing all these maneuvers that are not possible with any known human technology at this Mm -hmm. time.
1: Now, if you've watched our podcast for a while, you've probably seen these clips or heard us talking about it or seen it elsewhere because it did make it to CNN last time and stuff on the mainstream. So I was kind of confused about why this all came back again.
0: Well, the thing about it is it's been there's been all this like controversy about how this sort of has gone down. But apparently what happened is that back in 2017 is when the New York Times published that article and Apparently, they obtained that footage illegally. It wasn't actually oh. uh, declassified yet, Ooh, so it was still gee. classified. But it got it sent, leaked. That's the thing is, there's a lot of people that think that it wasn't. You know, this was on purpose leaked yeah. to to the stars because was at the same time that you know Tom DeLong and To the Stars Academy mm-hmm. of Sciences mm-hmm. or whatever they came out were like, "This it? is our our mm-hmm. footage," and they somehow they got a hold of it. Mm-hmm. It's this whole rabbit hole that you can go down with with uh, these government programs and studying UFOs. But the bottom line is that the government, the official US Pentagon came out and said, these are three videos that we captured and they show these unidentified aerial phenomena or these objects that we don't know what they are. And according to them, they're like, they, as far as we know, they don't pose any risk to national security, so why not release them? Mm-hmm. So they're formally released and they basically admitted that UFOs are real. Mm-hmm. So with that being said, You know, what are the implications of that? And the fact that it seems like nobody really took this seriously or even cared that this this kind of came out this week.
1: Yeah, blew over pretty quick.
0: Well, yeah, it's like nobody gives a shit. I know when we could who's piloting these craft. That's what I want to know if they're not human. Mm -hmm. They're not known by any sort of government or military in the world. No one's
2: claiming them. What is it? I guess that's what I'm confused about is the fact that, okay, so this is released and it's been, the Pentagon has, you know, officially been like, yes, it is not us. We don't know what this is. So are you admitting that there's aliens? And if you are admitting that there's aliens, why are we not freaking out?
1: I think they're trying to make it, you know, this whole
2: unidentified phenomenon.
1: Like it could be anything. It could be aliens, but it could be anything. And anyone guys, I, I feel like that's their way of getting the people that really don't believe, like the skeptical people to be like, oh yeah, it's probably just something else.
2: What else could it
1: be? Well, that's what people say all the time. It could be anything. It could be spy planes. It could be this. It could be that. And maybe they're right. I mean, for all we know, it could be a time traveler. We don't even know what.
2: That's still just as mind-blowing as an alien. I know, alien, I know. But <laughs> okay.
1: I know. Well, the average population doesn't understand those things yeah. and doesn't want to accept it. But yeah, it is kind of weird that why wouldn't this make more news or or really like be the top leading story?
0: Right. Why don't they have all their little panelists on mm-hmm. 12 hours a day discussing what is this about and what could it be? They don't do that for this kind of stuff.
1: A lot of people think they were like trying to re-release this information to create a distraction from coronavirus and how what a mess it all is. But I'm like, it didn't even work if that was the plan. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, I think a lot of people believe that the real story here is this slow leak of information about a topic that we've you know if you believe in this ufo alien phenomenon then you probably believe that the u.s government or military has known about extraterrestrial life for Mm -hmm. a long long time Mm -hmm. and it's now just slowly starting to be leaked out to us via disclosure and the problem here is and what we learned from you know when we listened to there's a great joe rogan episode with tom DeLong about this whole subject and just what he knows and Mm -hmm the people who worked in the Pentagon for this UFO program said that there is a national security issue here, which is interesting. They're saying that yeah. there's a, some type of threat with, yeah, he
1: kept bringing up the threat. Well, I guess anything that's unknown is technically a threat,
0: right? But the fact that they're really like, a, they're not approaching this with an open mind. They're seemingly already made up their mind that whatever's piloting these UFOs or whatever the UFOs are, they are a threat to mm. our national security and the rest of the world. Because Dr. Greer, who we talk about a lot of the time, because he's kind of one of the leading people in the ufology community, Mm -hmm. and he actually tweeted out saying that the point of the Pentagon and mainstream media re-releasing this Tic Tac video, et cetera, is to attach the alien threat narrative Uh, to the UFO subject while the planet is already in panic over the pandemic.
1: Okay, that makes a lot of sense. And get to Dr. Greer to clear it up a little bit.
0: Yeah. I mean, he's been predicting this all along that this mm-hmm. was how it was going to start making things out like that. Right. Yeah. Which is very alarming because if you think about it, I mean, the next thing that we all face after this pandemic could be a literal alien invasion. Oh my God. That's, you know, hoaxed by the government or, I mean, some type oh, of yeah, false that's... flag alien mm-hmm. attack. Like that's crazy to think about.
1: I know it is, but
2: yeah, I could definitely yeah. see that happening. I thought you meant like alien invasion, actual aliens, but now it's like, <laughs> why do aliens don't care enough about us? I feel like, but I could totally see them, you know, creating one to To scare us and and then be like, listen up guys, you gotta do exactly what you do. Mm -hmm. We gotta, you know, what we tell us you need to do in order, in order to stay alive Mm -hmm. so that you don't die from these alien invasions. And Mm -hmm. I mean, it could happen if if people are really, if aliens are invading or if that's what people think is happening. And if you aren't educated or open-minded or, Um, you know, already kind of preparing for aliens, Mm -hmm. then you're going to be like, hell y'all do whatever you say. You want me to do save us?
1: Yeah. Become desperate.
0: Well, and it's been commonly said that the next war is going to be in space. (sighs) Wow. Which with this timeline, yeah. Which with this timeline, I mean, with the actual space force being formed and that's like a legitimate thing. Now it's an actual branch and Mm -hmm. they're starting to going to start recruiting for it and all of that. Like the next war could be some type of alien, you know, hoaxed alien attack what if from our outer first
1: space? son when they're 18 years old is drafted to the space war i'll Jesus. go with them <laughs> no you will <are> not <laughs> I'll, I'll your sign old up and ass is staying home with me
0: all right sounds good but it's just i don't know it's an interesting thought and definitely if you haven't checked out those videos go take a look at them because they're very interesting but i believe they're copyrighted at this point so unfortunately yeah, we we'll be able to show you them, them but oh, that sucks we'll link it for you so you can check it out but let's get into the disappearance of Amelia Earhart because we got so many things to cover. But before we do, we'd like to thank our first sponsors for today.
1: All right. All right. All right. Let's get into talking about Amelia Earhart, who is one of the baddest bitches of our time. Hell yeah. She did some amazing stuff in her lifetime. She is super, super brave and totally inspirational, but had obviously a very unfortunate ending to her.
0: Well, maybe maybe. I mean, for all we know, maybe yeah, not. Yeah.
1: That's true. Maybe not.
0: That's what we shall explore today.
1: But let's go ahead and start with her history.
0: Yes. So Amelia Earhart was born in Atchison, Kansas on July 24th, 1897. Thinking, I can't think about the 1800s right now. It's just like mm-hmm. being born yeah. at the turn of the fucking century. Like, Yeah.
2: Hey, we were born at the turn of the century. Well, not born, but we kind of. Yeah. yeah. We went through the century. Yeah. We're millennials. Yeah, we're millennials. <laughs> Anyway,
0: but she was born in 1897 and her family moved around the Midwest quite a bit due to financial struggles because, I mean, there was a lot going on at this time in history. Mm -hmm. So work was hard to come by and they just felt like, you know, you kind of had to move around where the work was. Definitely. Amelia saw her first airplane at the age of 10 and was not impressed. It was a thing of rusty wire and wood and looked not interesting at all. So not impressed initially.
1: Initial airplanes weren't not no. great <laughs> no the original ones
0: are look dangerous
1: well at first they were just like basically attaching wings to themselves and like running <laughs> over the hill and like getting some air and like
0: yeah <laughs> seriously trying
1: to get a little bit off the ground but
0: i always think I'm about like sure what it was like the wright brothers and stuff and yeah. like how they the fact that they invented the airplane and those first trials like all right guys this is what we're gonna do Mm -hmm. we're gonna strap these pieces of wood to our (laughs) arms and just run and jump off of a high point i
2: know like we're going to turn into a massive bird and see (laughs) how this works
0: the invention of the airplane just in general is like such an interesting thing i know and it it just
1: revolutionized everything it
0: really did change the course of human history for ever
1: think about living before there were airplanes like you couldn't get to go see your grandparents in Massachusetts or wherever they live Mm -hmm. very easily. It would be so hard to see everyone or do anything. You couldn't even get across the ocean. I mean, unless you took a boat, airplanes just changed everything and gave us humans the ability to see much more of the earth with our time while we're here.
0: Absolutely. It it's kind of like the internet in a way, like unlocked all of this Mm -hmm. ability to see as much as you can possibly want to see in a lot easier way. So
1: and Amelia was always interested in that.
0: Yeah, she really liked it because she was like, definitely like of the tomboy type.
1: I hate that word, but yeah,
0: yeah. Like, who? What even is that word? It sounds know, like some so ancient stupid. stereotype we put on a female that you know just yeah. happens to be into things that. Yeah, she guys was into
1: climbing into. trees and known for belly slamming her sled to get it going down a hill. What so a, she's a tomboy! <laughs> <laughs> she hunted rats with her rifle,
0: and that that to me is stupid too. scary like, very unladylike. It is, yeah. <laughs> well, back in the day, I mean, the, the social norms were so different I know. and the gender norms were so different. I mean, we've really come a long way since then.
1: Yeah. And Amelia Earhart was one of those first people initially breaking down those barriers yeah. and being like, no, there is no definition for a woman. And right. How I'm, I'm going to what do what I want to do. Yeah, exactly.
0: And that's what she did. And she also like kept a scrapbook of different magazine articles, which she would put like inspiring women in it from different fields that she would sort of follow like film production, mm-hmm. law, marketing, management, and mechanical engineering. So all of these women out there doing really cool things that mm-hmm. she really, you know, she chose them as her idol and role model growing up. And I'm sure there was only a few of them that she really knew about mm-hmm. in those different fields. Like mm-hmm. nowadays you could count off, you know, 10 in each of those different fields
1: and they're so much more accessible now to see women that are inspiring You can log on to the internet and find a video of an inspiring woman or a ted talk and have Much more inspiration for us as women but back then it was not as much You had to like collect up a few articles that you could find and you know a few rare examples to give you that inspiration It was totally different. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, absolutely and then in 1919 Amelia Earhart enrolled in Columbia University, but ended up quitting a year later to be with her parents in California, so she never even finished college. It wasn't until December 28, 1920, that Amelia finally rode in a plane for the first time at the age of 23 years old in Long Beach, California. And the person that piloted the plane was Frank Hawks, who who would later be known as a famous air racer. That was like one of the things that they first did was like mm-hmm. race these planes around. I know. Like that was the thing.
1: That's weird. You never hear that now. No. There's no air racing anymore. No, not at all. dangerous. Oh
0: my God. Well, yeah, because planes go like four miles <laughs> <Yeah>. per hour. <laughs> <laughs> like, can you imagine like going outside and they just had like 747s racing in the air and how yeah. loud that would be? I
2: mean, insane. Like, that would like be bad. Like with
0: jet engines now. You're like flying
2: loud. a commercial jet and you see someone come by and they're like, hey, United versus Southwest. Like, <laughs> yeah. let's go guys. <laughs> Seriously.
0: So different versus like little propeller planes that they had back then. But this first flight that she went on cost $10, which was a lot of money back then. Mm-hmm. But this moment that she, but the moment that she rode in the plane, it changed her life forever because by the time that she had gotten two or 300 feet off the ground, she knew she had to fly.
1: So she began saving all her money for flying lessons and worked a lot of different jobs, including photographer, truck driver, stenographer for a phone company. What is a st- Denografer. I think it's a
0: stenographer.
2: Stenographer, Can
1: you look it up? What is it?
0: Some type of writing. Some type of
2: writer? Oh.
1: It's just somebody yeah. that
0: records, writes down yeah. phone conversations.
2: Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. A lot of time it's used in like court reporting, it says, or closed captioning.
1: Okay. But through all these little jobs, she quickly saved up $1,000, which was a lot back then, and spent that on her first flying lesson. That's on so Jan- cool. So January 3rd, 1921, she took her first lesson. And instantly she became super in love with flying and just created a real passion for herself around it.
0: Yeah. So much so that she saved up her money again and mm. bought her own plane in July, 1921. And
1: Super impressive.
0: Yeah. And then got her pilot's license in December as well. And her first plane was a 1922 model aviatrix Kinner Airster, which had an open cockpit.
1: That's wild. <sighs> Isn't hair it? hair would look insane. <laughs>
0: Well, they had their little caps. You yeah, know those little, little flying caps, caps. Yeah. with the goggles.
1: Amazing, oh, that's so weird. Because there's
0: an open cockpit, you're literally just like heads exposed to the, oh, to the yeah. sky. Oh yeah, that's and...
1: got to like hurt your ears. Your mouth is probably like uh, <laughs> so dry. Yeah. Well, they but have the like a little thing
0: to block the air. And what if it's
1: cold?
2: In. Well, I don't think you go up well, nearly yeah, as high as you high. used to. But right. I still wonder. How, I mean, you're oh, still you pretty far up there, though. Yeah, it's a little breezy up there still. You know.
0: No, she actually broke a record in this thing on October 22nd, 1922, when she flew to a height of 14,000 feet in this aircraft. And by doing this, she broke the record for female pilots. Wow. For Going getting her plane that high. Yeah.
2: But 14,000 feet is like <laughs> half of what we fly now. Don't we usually coast to like 30 or so?
0: 36 in the large international planes okay. they get up there 40,000 yeah yeah they mm. get so for yeah 14,000 feet's really not that high i guess it's like the mountain height mm-hmm. so just yeah. above the mountain 14er yeah but that's still pretty high mm-hmm.
1: so on may 15th 1923 she became the 16th woman in history to be issued an international pilot's license
0: isn't it crazy how fast she just like mm-hmm. pounded out these tests and oh yeah you know it was getting her these licenses mm-hmm. determined yeah it's so true
1: in 1927, Charles Lindbergh became the first person to fly across the Atlantic solo, which was super inspirational for her.
0: Yeah. And such a big deal too, to, to mm. how scary yeah. everybody must have, or how scared everybody must've been when he did that. Yeah. And like, didn't think it was possible. And there you go. Flew across the entire Atlantic ocean. And after this happened, pilot Amy Phipps guest wanted to become the first female to complete the same feat. However, she decided the trip was too dangerous for her to take and offered to sponsor the project instead. And she's quoted as suggesting finding another girl with the right image, oh. which is interesting because they were definitely the people that were involved in this field were all kind of similar. The women were like, they wanted a you know a strong woman to, to do this. That would be, I mean, such a big thing that they yeah. would end up being like legendary one right. day. They knew that this was how it'd be. So be a big figurehead for America. Yeah, Exactly. So, in April of 1928, Amelia Earhart received a phone call from Captain Hilton H. Riley, who asked if she would like to fly over the Atlantic. And a few months later, on June 17th, 1928, Amelia Earhart became the first woman to fly across the Atlantic on the airplane Friendship with Bill Stoltz and Slim Gordon.
1: Slim Gordon. How
0: long you got Slim Gordon? You're good. <laughs>
1: yeah. Hell yeah.
0: Because they had to have multiple people on the plane because multiple people did different roles. Like Mm -hmm. there wasn't all these computers and shit on the plane that there is now.
2: There's no autopilot.
0: No, no (laughs) autopilot. Mm -hmm. So like one person has to fucking steer and Mm -hmm. fly the plane. then somebody's got to actually make sure they're mapping everything and Mm -hmm. keeping track of where they're flying. Mm -hmm. And then somebody else, I don't know what the third guy, especially for such a long
1: flight because this took them 20 hours and 40 minutes. Before they finally landed on Harbor of Bury Point in Wales or Bury Port in Wales. Sorry.
0: Can you imagine 20 hours in a seat? No. Like that? Flying over the ocean.
1: That's longer than any flight I've had. The longest I've had is 15. God. 20 hours straight? Can you even take a flight like that these days? I bet you can.
0: Yeah, you can take a 20-hour flight. That's crazy. But. It's not like you're not in a nice plane. No, but despite her desire to have been in more of a pilot position for the trip, because she really wanted to fly the thing. Mm -hmm. Even when she returned to New York after the trip was over, she was still deemed a hero, even though she didn't actually pilot the plane herself. And after that, she gave lectures against the war and for women's rights and wrote a book and a ton of articles. But this was not enough as she was now determined to repeat the trip, but do it solo this Mm -hmm. time. And in preparation for this, she entered in her first women's competitive air racing contest in 1929, which was a race that spanned from Santa Monica to Cleveland.
1: It's so weird to think about air races.
0: Well, also think about back then, like there wasn't all of this like air traffic in the sky. Mm -hmm. So there wasn't that much to worry about flying up there. Mm -hmm. So you could have like an air race. I mean, that's Mm -hmm. the biggest thing now with air racing is there's so many planes up there. There's too much risk. Yeah. Somebody's bound to crash. However during the last leg of the race her and her friend Ruth Nichols were tied for first place and Nichols was due to take off before Amelia but instead her plane hit a tractor at the end of the runway and flipped over and Amelia Earhart was such a good friend that instead of taking off and getting the lead in the race she ran to the wreckage and pulled her friend Nichols out wow. and after she confirmed that she wasn't injured at all she got back in her she got back in the plane and continued to race and This cost her essentially winning the race and she finished in third.
1: Wow. Good friend. Good person.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Good person. And then on February 7th, 1931, Amelia got married to George Putnam after he proposed to her six times (laughs) Damn. after interviewing her about her transatlantic flight. But it wasn't a traditional marriage for the time. And Amelia was very much and Amelia very much considered it more of a partnership, you know, 50-50 type of split. She actually authored a letter and gave it to him on their wedding day that said, I want you to understand I shall not hold you to any medieval code of faithfulness to me,
1: nor shall I consider myself bound to you similarly. She also decided to keep her maiden name of Earhart and eventually many people would refer to her husband as Mr. Earhart Hell yeah! and they never had children. Very alternative life for a typical woman, according to society. You know, she really didn't like to play by the rules in any way.
0: No, not at all. And it's interesting that it was probably rare for a man to do this type of thing or mm-hmm. Yeah, it's rare
2: like now, that. especially in 1932. I know. I'm sure people were pissed. People oh, yeah. think it's still weird when women don't change their name. Back then, mm-hmm. ooh, but I she mean, didn't give a fuck. There were
1: such standards back then and so many rules of society. I mean, I don't even think there were marriages between races back then, really.
2: Yeah, I don't or that believe they were so.
1: highly frowned upon. They may have not even And legal at that
2: point. Yeah, I'm not sure at at what point.
1: So yeah, it just shows you to go against the traditional marriage in any sense was very, she was extremely, yeah, bold,
0: Really bold. But after years of preparation and lots and lots of flying, on May 20th, 1932, Amelia Earhart became the first woman to fly solo across the Atlantic Ocean.
1: This flight was actually super dangerous because the weather was changing so rapidly and her altimeter was broken so she couldn't even tell how high she was flying.
2: Which I that, feel like would be really dangerous to be yeah. kind of guessing, yeah, what altitude you're flying at. Because back then, if you go wrong by just a little bit, mm-hmm. that could be really deadly. It could cause your life for sure.
0: Well, I think it probably wasn't too bad because she was flying over the ocean, and the ocean's super flat, mm-hmm. so that's true. And you can see it.
2: But just in general, like mm-hmm. altitude is, you know, can be really dangerous if you drop oh, yeah. altitudes too quickly, or you're not flying at the correct one. If you're not getting your oxygen, because I don't think back then they were necessarily super as safe as they are now in order to deal with quick altitude changes, you know? No, not
0: at all. Yeah. I mean, is that, I mean, how would she know if like her plane stalled or something,
3: Mm
0: -hmm. which just goes to show like what an expert pilot she was because on top of that, she experienced a gas leak in the cockpit. And at one point during the flight, the plane dropped about 3000 feet and went in a uh, spin as flames were shooting out of the exhaust manifold.
1: (laughs) That's crazy. How scary.
0: And she was fearless and completed the trip nevertheless. It's amazing. Because the trip itself was flying from Canada to Ireland and it took her 15 hours and 18 minutes. And it was the second ever solo flight across the Atlantic and the longest nonstop flight by a woman at 2026 miles.
1: On June 21st, 1932, President Herbert Hoover presented her with the National Geographic Society Medal for this for that specific flight.
0: Yeah. Which was a huge award for her. And it also kind of gave her some fame in that sense. Mm -hmm. And she really became an icon for women across the world. And just like she
1: had saved those articles about other women. Now she was becoming one of those people herself and inspiring others.
0: Exactly. And she didn't stop creating records on August 25th, 1932. She became the first woman to fly solo from coast to coast in the U S flying from Los Angeles, California, to newark new jersey in 19 hours and five minutes
1: imagine it taking fucking 19 hours to get from california to new jersey oh my gosh
0: that's a long flight man
1: that is on july in july of 1933 she beat her own record for completing the same trip in 17 hours and seven minutes so she shaved a little bit of time off there but still 17 hours damn that's crazy. That's such a long flight to go to New Jersey. Yeah, what happens if you have to
2: pee? <laughs> like, straight up. There's no bathrooms That's on so there, true. I'm pretty sure. So, Maybe she's like peeing in a bottle. Yeah, and then you just throw it out the window. <laughs> yeah, exactly. She's not peeing in a bottle.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure she probably had a diaper. Or did something. she have something? Did she have She's wearing
1: a diaper? We don't know.
0: No, I bet she had a diaper.
2: <laughs> Common <laughs> if you know. This is what we're thinking of. Common
1: if you
0: know. Nobody knows what she was wearing. But that's true. Like, how it, she obviously. I mean, I think she you could still like get your plane just go on level and you could just not touch it and then sit there. In
1: 1935, she became the first woman to complete the Ben Dix Trophy race and placed fifth, which is quite impressive given that her plane was far below the quality of all the other racers.
0: Just an expert pilot, mm-hmm. man. Because her plane topped out at a max speed of 195 miles per hour, while her competitors' planes could <sighs> hit closer to 300. So traveling 195 miles per hour for 17 hours, like in a plane. Crazy. Not very fast.
1: On January 11th, 1935, Amelia Earhart became the first person to ever fly solo from Hawaii to California, which That's is a cool. big trek,
0: and clearly not scared of flying over the open ocean too. No nope. fear at all.
1: Not at all. In night in April 19th, 1935, she became the first person to fly from California to Mexico City.
0: She just wanted to break all the records and and do bigger and better flights Keep every single time. Keep achieving more. Exactly.
1: And then on March 17th, 1937, Amelia Earhart began her first attempt to become the first woman to fly around the whole world. And for this trip, she took Paul Mance, Harry Manning, and Fred Noonan.
0: However, the airplane that they were going to take experienced a number of different problems, and ultimately they had to call this flight off. Mm -hmm. But this did not stop Amelia Earhart from trying again.
1: Absolutely not. But before we get into her last flight, we'd like to thank our last sponsors for today.
0: Amelia Earhart was determined to fly around the world so on June 1st 1937 she made a second attempt with only Fred Noonan by her side this time and she also had to take a different aircraft because the other plane that she had previously tried to fly around the world with was being repaired because of what had happened and so they took a different aircraft which was a Lockheed Electra 10e this is not an open aircraft this is definitely a closed one so Amelia Earhart and Fred Noonan took off from Miami Florida and obviously, you can't go one way around the world. So they stopped in South America, and then in Africa, and then in Southeast Asia. And then they finally arrived in Ley, New Guinea on June 29, 1937. And at this point in their trip, they had traveled about 22,000 miles, with only 7,000 miles left to go. So they had made like almost three-fourths of the trip.
1: Yeah, they were almost done.
0: When they stopped in New Guinea. And on July second, nineteen 1937, around midnight... They took off from Ley, New Guinea towards Howland Island, which is a very small sliver of flat land, but unfortunately they lost communication and at this point they were never heard from again. So during their approach to Howland Island, the United States Coast Guard ship, Itasca, did receive strong and clear transmissions from Amelia Earhart, but she was unable to hear their return transmissions. At 7.42 a.m., Amelia Earhart transmitted, We must be on you, but we cannot see you, but gas is running low. Have have been unable to reach you by radio. We are flying at 1,000 feet. Wow, they were not flying very high off no. to the top of the ocean at all. At 7.58 a.m., Amelia reported that she was unable to hear the Atasca and requested that they send voice signals, but they were unable to send their transmissions at the frequency requested. So Atasca sent Morse code signals instead, and Amelia did receive these transmissions but was not able to determine their direction. Because you got to think, like, communication back then, especially yeah. way out in the middle of the ocean, was... Yes. Not, Not great. So th- it was hard to receive transmissions and signals because they're out in the middle of the ocean. I mean, it's still hard mm-hmm. out in the middle of the ocean. The last documented transmission came at eight forty three a.m. from Amelia, which said, "We are on the line one fifty seven three thirty seven. We will repeat this on sixty two ten kilo cycles. Wait." But a few moments later, she reappears on the transmission, saying, "We are running on line north and south." These transmissions seemed to indicate that they had actually reached Howland's position, but they were actually off by five nautical miles. And at this point, the Itasca even tried creating large smoke signals for the pilots, but they obviously did not see it. And on this particular day, the weather was scattered clouds around the island, and so it created dark shadows on the surface of the ocean, which from above, it would have been indistinguishable from the island's flat surface, so they would look virtually the same. wouldn't be on the so obviously there's a lot of reasons for why their communication could have failed mm-hmm. or they would have been unable to land properly. So one of the theories for why they were not able to land properly would have been because Fred Noonan had documented problems with the accuracy of the radio direction as well as navigating just in general. Cause it seems, I mm-hmm. mean they're off five nautical miles. So clearly they something were, was off. something was off with navigation. Others say that Amelia Earhart wasn't familiar enough with her new Bendix direction finding loop antenna, which is, why the transmissions may have failed as well. There's also a theory that the United States Coast Guard cutter Itasca was on Howland Island waiting for their arrival. However, they may have just been confused about the scheduled landing time because of lack of communication. There's actually a video clip of the last footage of Amelia Earhart that we have of them taking off from Ley, New Guinea. It's really, really short. I don't even think there's sound to it. So the footage just shows them getting ready to take off, and there's all these people. Cr- you know, around the plane, mm-hmm. there she is hopping into the cockpit.
2: Wow. It's a pretty cool plane for back then, I mm-hmm. feel.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, they had to have like the best of the best for that flight. There she goes. Taking off and. Oh, wow.
1: Never to be seen again. And in that footage, you can see, well, some people think that you can see that the antenna mounted underneath the fuselage may have been torn off or even cut off by Amelia or Fred themselves due to being annoyed with it from having to crank it in the back.
0: Yeah, because they had to do it every time they used it. They like crank it out. It's like landing gears, putting them down and up.
1: Some people think they got rid of it and it may have caused the trouble
0: right well yeah because based on the video don't really see it but Mm. I don't know I have a hard time believing that they would have just like ripped it off if it was annoying like she was an expert pilot why would she do that (laughs)
2: that's so true this is a little annoying I'm just gonna rip it off and hope for the best
0: (laughs) and there was also just a lot of confusion about you know figuring out where her transmissions were originating from because they were obviously trying to figure out where they went and you know all the different locations that it seemed to originate from were just kind of all over the place and being on and just coming from different islands, so it wasn't sure because there's a lot of islands in this area, so it could have come from any of the different islands, or you know, not from the islands at all. But Pan American Airways actually concluded that one of the transmissions had to have come from land, since water would have shorted out the Electra's electrical system. After Amelia Earhart's last recorded transmission, it only took an hour before the United States Coast Guard and the Antasca Cutter started their search for them.
1: Mm -hmm. i mean so many young people would have been just crushed to find this out so many people in general and they were this was a super upsetting event and so of course they're going to get people out there immediately and try to find her she was like a huge representation of the country
0: so based on initial assumptions about where the transmission seemed to come from the crew headed north and west of hallen island to search and eventually they even got the united states navy involved in order to try and find earhart and noonan and eventually the United States Navy was called in to help expand the search efforts in order to try and hopefully recover Earhart and Noonan. They actually had a naval aircraft fly over several islands in the area, including Gardner Island, which had been uninhabited for over 40 years. Yeah, this area out there, you've, yeah, you ever heard Sierra about New Guinea and stuff like, mm-hmm. yeah, there's not much out there except for Mm-mm. a few islands with uh, native peoples on it that have been there for a really, really long time. Mm-hmm. And according to the findings from the naval aircraft, it said here, signs of recent habitation were clearly visible, but repeated circling and zooming failed to elicit any answering wave from possible inhabitants. And it was finally taken for granted that none were there. That's very interesting because they said that they saw signs of recent habitation, but, you know, they tried to make contact with Mm -hmm. anybody that would have been there on the ground and they found nothing. There was also a lagoon at Gardner Island which looked sufficiently deep and certainly large enough for a plane or even an airboat or even an airboat (laughs) or even an an airboat or even an airboat could have landed or take off in any direction with little if any difficulty. So they're essentially looking for any islands that might have a possibility for Earhart and Noonan to land on and potentially take off from, but they weren't finding anything. The Navy concluded that Amelia Earhart could have landed her aircraft in that lagoon and then swum or waded ashore. Mm -hmm. So there was enough room for her to put it down if in an emergency she had to do that. But then again, there was no evidence that that's what had happened. You
1: would have found something. Right. And there were signals being reported for up to five days after they went missing. But on on July nineteenth, 1937, the search was finally called off.
0: So they were holding out hope and obviously getting signals is potentially a good sign, but nothing turned up. And this searched and the search cost a total of $4 million and became the most extensive and costly rescue effort in United States, in United States history at this particular time. And obviously during this time, recovery missions were, you know, rudimentary at best. They were definitely had to go off of basic initial assumptions. You know, you hear signals, you follow the signals if Mm -hmm. you can. And, you know, their search efforts probably weren't as good as they would have been to today. And we'd have the ability to search more area, you know, because five nautical miles, that's still a decent ways off. So they might've been searching within that instead of going out that far.
1: But even though the official search ended, George Putnam, her husband funded his own private search for her with the local authorities of the nearby Pacific islands.
0: Yeah. And in July, 1937, he chartered two boats and initiated a search of the Phoenix islands Christmas Island, Fanning Island, the Gilbert Islands, and the Marshall Islands. But their search did not provide any results.
1: How upsetting. If you're looking for your loved one and they could have crashed in a plane, you just have no idea where they are. It's almost like she disappeared off the face of the earth.
0: Well, that's the thing. And they started searching an hour after they stopped receiving transmission. So you would that's think that crazy they would have found something, something. And they didn't, they didn't find a plane. They didn't find bodies.
1: So, what happened? But ultimately, the plane and the bodies were never found, and the official theory was that the plane crashed at sea and it sunk to the point of not being able to be visible by search parties, which is possible definitely possible. They could have gone down at any point, and their plane would have sunk. We didn't have nearly as good technology like radar to find them underneath the water, and it could have sunk very quickly, even if they brought some even if they brought people out to search for her within an hour it's not like they were at the exact place that her yeah. plane was on top of the water. It doesn't right. take that long for it to sink.
0: Right. Well, and the search area was probably, you know, not super defined and mm-hmm. you know, they only had so many resources out there in those remote mm-hmm. islands. So could
1: have been somewhere beyond the search area. Right.
0: Right. Or they could have literally just went right over and, where they might've yeah, crashed. And that's so true. The plane was already too far under the water that you can't see it. Mm-hmm. And it's not like at this time, you know, like you said, they don't have the technology to really search underneath it. You know, can't use, you know, divers and things Mm -hmm. like that to try to go under submarines even to go under to look for this plane.
1: Right. And they were getting those, you know, distress calls, but they weren't sure if it was actually from Amelia, but eventually they determined them to just be misunderstandings or
0: hoaxes, which
1: we're not sure about. Yeah. Who really knows, but
0: yeah. So here's the theory from the officials. So commander Warner K Thompson, the captain of the coast guard cutter Atasca, who was waiting for the Electra at Howland Island, believes that Earhart simply ran out of gas shortly after her transmissions and then crashed her plane at sea. What's interesting is that naval officers in Honolulu stated that they had to have made it to land in order to transmit these signals, stating that it was the only way for them to operate the engine or recharge the batteries. So that's interesting because if, if those were the last things that were coming through from them and it's true that they have to be. You know, over land to do that, mm-hmm. then it does make you wonder if maybe they crashed on an island or they yeah. landed the plane. And that's exactly what these naval officers thought is that this eliminated the idea that the plane crashed in water. Mm. And because of this, they
1: launched the USS Colorado during the search and traveled 2,000 miles south and discovered radio signals believed to be from the lost plane. Also, George Putnam, her husband, clung to his belief that his wife had come down not in the sea but on the land because uh, because the radio batteries located under the ship's wings would have been put out of commission in the water. Dozens of amateurs continued to report messages from the Lost Plains radio, but the Navy and Coast Guard radio experts always doubted that any of those messages were genuine.
0: Yeah, I think that's the biggest question here is whether or not those transmissions were actually from her and real. We don't know. Yeah, we don't know. Cause it seems like logistically and realistically it wouldn't have worked. So those transmissions could have been from somebody else or something else entirely.
1: Unless she landed on land. Right. But eventually Amelia Earhart was declared legally dead 18 months later. And we've never come up with a full conclusion that's been accepted by everyone as to what happened to her. So there's tons of different theories and ideas of what could have happened, what our final days could have looked like.
0: Right. So we're going to go through some of the different theories here. The first one has to do with the Marshall Islands and the Japanese. So on October 16th, 1937, there is an Australian tabloid newspaper titled Smith's Weekly, which published an article stating that the United States Navy used the disappearance in order to send aircraft over the Marshall Islands, which was an area some suspected that Japanese were building military installations on and violating a mandate from the League of Nations. Some of the other theories that started getting pushed were kind of wild, like one theory stated that she was actually a part of the 1941 attack on Pearl Harbor or even knew about it. What the fuck? And this theory grew larger after the screenplay Stand By to Die expanded on this idea and depicted Amelia Earhart and Noonan as U.S. spies. Wow. So the screenplay Stand By to Die was actually purchased and released under the title Flight for Freedom in 1943. And the characters in the film actually depicted Amelia Earhart and Fred Noonan. And because that the characters resembled these two so closely, George Putnam was actually paid a fee in order to avoid a lawsuit. So obviously this film started portraying them in a bad light and as spies, and he did not like that at all. But this didn't put the theory to rest because the same week the film was released, a man who was on board the Colorado during the search, ML Britton, stated that he was agreed that, stated that he agreed with this theory, fueling even more people to see the film, which this could have been just to make their Mm -hmm. film successful. But at the same time, I mean, at what expense? I mean, they're starting to make people think that they really are spies Mm -hmm. and involved with the Japanese. (laughs) Ridiculous. But by 1944, the rumor that Amelia had been captured by the Japanese or were working with the Japanese had faded. However, four years later, in 1948, Her mother actually came forward and stated to the press that she felt that Amelia could be in the Marshall Islands and felt her daughter had been involved with the government in secret. Mm. This statement was not taken lightly, and the U.S. Army Intelligence and the United Press launched independent investigations in the Marshall Islands, but they could not find any evidence or witnesses to these claims. What's interesting is that later on in 1960, there were three U.S. Air Force officers that were stationed on Guam. And they produced a list of names of all the witnesses on Saipan who had allegedly seen Earhart Noonan in custody of the Japanese.
1: Isn't that interesting? There's a lot of witnesses that claim to have seen Earhart.
0: Mm -hmm. And with the Japanese as Mm -hmm. well.
1: However, of course, officials quickly deemed all these claims as false. But another witness came forward Josephine Blanco-Akiyama from San Mateo, California, stated that as a young girl on Saipan, she witnessed both Earhart and Noonan being taken prisoner. Mm. Why would she just make that up? What would the point of that be?
0: It gets you attention, I guess. You know, yes. If but you say you saw it, and it's not like anybody can va- really validate that claim.
1: Well, there's a lot of other people who have claimed to see it as well.
0: It's true. But this particular report caught the attention of KCBS radio reporter, Fred Gorner, and he launched his own investigation into the claim, and it would later turn into one of his best-selling books, the 1966 book titled The Search for Amelia Earhart, which depicted Amelia Earhart as an agent for the government who was forced to land in the Marshall Islands and imprisoned in Saipan. And in his book, he further stated that she was probably dying of malnutrition and disease.
1: There's another book called Amelia Earhart Survived, and it presented a similar theory, the possibility that Amelia could have ditched her plane in the Marshall Islands, returned to the United States under a different name. That's an interesting theory. Why would she want to do that, though? She'd made such a great name for herself.
0: Right. And what what's the purpose that she's going to play yeah. in that, in like some type of secret government operation? The author of this book was named Roland C. Reinick, and he was a retired U.S. Air Force colonel. And he was quoted as saying, if she couldn't find Howland, plan B was to cut off communications and head for the Marshall Islands and deter a plane there. And when the U.S. government came to look for Earhart, there would have been able to spy on the Japanese, but somewhere along the way, the plan went wrong. Hmm. Hmm. Do you think that there was more of a purpose to this trip than just flying around the world to break a record? And she could have been used as some type of spy or government agent to... Spy on the Japanese?
1: I mean, she could have been. It just seems like a lot of effort just to be able to spy on yeah. the Japanese. Like there could have been other ways they could have gone Probably about easier doing ways. Yeah. yeah,
0: yeah. it seems pretty far-fetched. But this theory was even and most recently in 2015 by Dick Spink. Dick Spink. <laughs> a high school science teacher who collected oral histories from people on the Marshall Islands. And he claims that mm-hmm. Amelia Earhart and Noonan landed on a small atoll which is a ring-shaped reef island or a chain of islands formed by coral named Millie. And in an interview, he's quoted as saying, the world needs to know this. I heard a consistent story from too many people in the Marshalls to dismiss it. Mm -hmm. They say she landed at Millie.
1: That's what they all say. And even the schools there teach that and talk about that. She's even on their stamps. Have you seen that in the Marshall Islands? They have stamps with her plane and like face on it. It's yeah. a big part of their history there, and they fully believe it. It's a lot of people, yeah, that claim to have seen her.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, because like people that live there and families there say our uncles and aunts, our parents and our grandparents know she landed yeah. here.
1: It's not a theory to them.
0: No, it's fact.
1: And Dick Spink actually believed in this theory so much that he invested fifty thousand of his own money into the search for Amelia Earhart's supposed last landing spot wow but he wasn't able to find it then there's that famous photo yes. that came out in 2017 and mm-hmm. this is so interesting and this is so interesting to me but it's very controversial and highly debated whether or not it's real but in 2017 the today show aired a never before seen photo that came from a history channel documentary about amelia earhart's disappearance from the us national archives and it's argued that this picture has Amelia Earhart and Noonan in it on the dock at the Marshall Islands. And it looks exactly like them. And who else that would be looking like them would be in this area at the time? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's just they're totally out of point. place in this photo. Mm-hmm. But this has been, I guess, kind of debunked, which I still don't think it's debunked personally. But
0: well, many people believe that this photo is just a way to boost viewership in mm-hmm. a Japanese military history blogger. Koda Yamano claims that the photo was taken two years before she actually disappeared in 1935.
1: But I still want to know who the hell that is then. And why does it look exactly like them? And it could have been documented the wrong year, right? That's not for sure.
0: Yeah. No, I don't think I've ever seen proof of the actual date itself. Like I don't think there's, we can see it. We can see the photo in the archives, but I don't think the actual date itself is out there. And mm-hmm. it's definitely not on the photograph itself.
1: But the blogger was really pissed off because they felt like the history channel just didn't even appear to search for the origin of the photograph and make sure that it's real
0: before they just push it. Yeah.
1: But I don't know. I think I think maybe there's a reason they want us to think it's was taken earlier. Right. Right. Because that's a pretty damning photo. If that's her, it looks exactly like them. Like I'm saying, I mean, I could be wrong, of course, but I want you guys to look at this photo and tell me what you think. I mean, who else that looks like that would have been there? Mm hmm. It's just random. These random islands in the middle of nowhere.
0: It does look very similar to them. I mean, very it's similar. A white woman with short hair.
1: Not many women even had short hair back then.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like how many? Yeah. And I to mean, have
1: them both in the picture, it really looks like Noonan. If you look at pictures of him, you can see the nose and everything. I don't know, man. I think it's real. Right. I and, think that's them.
0: Well, it's also possible that it got entered in the archives wrong.
1: Absolutely possible.
0: On purpose, because they're like. we we hope nobody will ever find this evidence Mm -hmm. of them being there because yeah i mean who took the picture and why is it there at all it's just this random picture at this point
1: if it's not them who is it
0: exactly so there's also another theory that kind of goes back to her being captured by the japanese and being a u.s spy and it's called the irene bolum theory but the actual irene bolum theory comes from the book amelia Earhart lives by joseph Gervais and in the book it says Amelia Earhart indeed did survive a plane crash but was taken prisoner by the Japanese but after World War II she was sent to New Jersey and lived her life under the name Irene Bullum and became a banker however the real Irene Bullum denied these claims and sued for 1.5 million in damages and obviously there's never mm-hmm. been any government documents indicating that she was ever a U.S spy ever and there's just no proof of that
1: mm-hmm.
0: I think a lot of people just kind of jumped on this story in order to make money for themselves and just kind of put their opinion out there in in order to create speculation and and theories around it but really had no base in reality well
1: people wanted answers so bad this was like the greatest mystery of all time i mean this is someone that people loved really looked up to and she just disappeared and there was no answer of where she went
0: Yeah, that
1: was weird at the time,
0: right? Totally. Yeah. Things like this didn't really happen or people didn't, you know, wouldn't know about things like this that happened.
1: No, people were obsessed with finding out the truth.
0: Mm -hmm. And especially with all the conflict in the world at the time, I'm sure people were really like, I'm sure there was a lot of conspiracy people at the time that were like, maybe they're involved with the government or the enemy. Who knows? Another theory that has gained some steam is the Niku Moraro castaway theory. And this theory was presented by the International Group for Historic Aircraft Recovery, and it speculates that Amelia Earhart and Noonan landed their plane on this island, 350 nautical miles southwest of Howland Island. And they base this theory on Earhart's last radio transmission, stating that they were on the line Mm 157-337, indicating that the plane was flying on a northwest to southeast navigational line that bisected Howland Island, which definitely could be possible, Mm -hmm. too. So they would have either gone northwest towards thousands of miles of open ocean or to the southeast towards Nicomaruro Island. And they state that of the 121 messages received by radio operators in that 10 days after her disappearance, at least 57 could have come from her plane.
1: I feel like she probably would have sent out more distress signals that,
3: you
1: know, just didn't make it fully. Yeah. Because why would her last one have been so calm just talking about
0: yeah. Talking about like position of where she is. Yeah. you think Mayday. she'd say something
1: else. Yeah. There must've been some lost messages
0: or like I'm out of gas or something, you know, clearly, clearly they, it seems like their navigation was just off and mm-hmm. they, and she knew that. And instead of, you know, risking it in her eyes, she said, uh-huh. you know, perhaps we'll go keep going this way towards this other Island and land mm-hmm. there. And we'll try to notify people that that's where we're going to go.
1: And she would have notified them of whatever happened. Even yeah. if she was going down, she would have said, I'm going down. Cause she knows that there's so many people that are following her and need to know where she went yeah, and what happened. Exactly. Like she wouldn't have just,
0: she yeah, had to have those were that.
1: definitely not her last messages that she sent out.
0: No, it d- definitely doesn't seem like it. And they further back this theory with the conditions of the Island on that date, stating that the tide was lower than normal and revealed a reef along the shoreline. And it was long and flat enough for her plane to land on. Wow. And they believe the tide then ultimately destroyed her plane by the time the transmissions ended on July 13th, 1937. That's possible. That makes a lot of sense, honestly.
1: Uh And then she'd be stuck there with no way to communicate.
0: Right. Literally cast away. So only a year later, a British party with intensive colonizing the island actually took a photo of the shoreline of this island. And they discovered an unidentified object that some believe could be the landing gear from a plane. So if you look at the photo, yeah. they clearly thought it was interesting enough to take an actual photograph of it mm-hmm. at this time. Mm-hmm. And it does appear to look like something sticking out of the ocean, almost like it totally maybe does. the end of a landing gear, like a wheel even maybe.
1: And again, why would someone have taken it? If why would they take the
0: time if it wasn't yeah. like something weird was enough on. that they're like, we're on this remote ass island. There shouldn't be anything thinking. here. Yeah. And yet, yeah, there's something sticking out of the water. And in 1938, this island was colonized as part of the Phoenix Island settlement by the British. And they did find airplane parts that they believe could have been from this Lockheed Electra plane that they were flying. And even more interesting, in 1940, 13 bones were discovered in the remains of a campfire as well as remnants of two shoes, one being a man's shoe and the other being a woman's shoe. And they also discovered a box that would hold a navigation device. What the hell? So, yeah. well, another Come plane on. go down there right? by chance and yeah, it happened to be weird. a man and a woman. Like, what are the chances of that? I know. I'd like to know those odds. And they actually shipped these items to Fiji in order to analyze them further, but they were actually lost. But measurements were taken before sending, and it was determined that the bones could belong to a woman of Amelia Earhart's size. Wow. That's that's weird, too, mm-hmm. like how they just get lost. They just mm-hmm. lost this potential evidence of Amelia Earhart. I know
1: such bullshit
0: how maybe, does
1: such serious evidence always get lost
0: i know right you think they take every precaution <laughs> no. to? and why they fly it to fiji isn't there like why don't you just take after it after they've to the
1: spent so much manpower trying to find her in four million dollars and they're just gonna lose a box with serious evidence okay that's sounds yeah, good
0: seriously like what the hell but this international group for historic aircraft recovery has led 12 expeditions to nicomororo since 1989 and they were able to find a site similar to the one described by the british they also discovered a site in which there was evidence of more fires and the remains of animal life including fish turtles and birds indicating that obviously someone had been hunting and eating meals there mm-hmm. and they also determined that the way that the clams had been opened as well and the heads of the fish were not eaten meant that the persons consuming the meals were most likely not pacific Islanders. Because that would be the thing, like what other people could have been there? Probably people that live in the area or Mm -hmm. on other islands. But they were eaten as if a person from the U.S. or Britain had been there. Mm -hmm. And another large clue came from several glass bottles believed to be from the 1930s, which were discovered along with a freckle cream bottle Mm -hmm. that many believe was Amelia Earhart's.
1: What the hell was the point of a freckle cream? Is that supposed to fade your <laughs> freckles or
0: Hide make them. them more
1: like, Hide well, them. nowadays it would have been to make them more pronounced. Yeah. Pronounced. Freckles are really in right now.
0: I think back then they probably hit them like for whatever reason. But yeah, she way.
1: had hella freckles. So maybe she wanted to have a freckle cream with her in the plane. <laughs> I <don't> know, that's <laughs> it's really an essential weird. item, <laughs> but who else would have that in the middle of right. Marshall Islands? Yeah.
0: Not a Pacific Islander. Definitely somewhere. not. So, This theory is definitely one of those that I think sits at kind of the top of my list as far as theories that could have happened because, I mean, Mm -hmm, it's the most evidence that's been found there. Airplane parts, bones from potentially a female and a male, food as if somebody had been there eating and and hunting and, like, kind of maybe landed there and and crashed or something like that. So it seems to me that that's a very likely theory. But those are the serious theories as to what happened, and this last one clearly sticks out as probably the most likely but people have obviously said like the bermuda triangle which i don't understand why this one even gets brought <laughs> up because fuck? it's nowhere near no. where they were last seen people
1: just hear plane goes missing over ocean haunt bermuda triangle yeah <laughs> such a stupid theory
0: well i mean i i kind of get it like obviously there's been other you know planes especially back in this time period that yeah. have gone missing but but they weren't anywhere the near location, there. right <laughs> just the location makes absolutely no sense, but then the last theory is aliens. Of course, you got to always theorize that per- perhaps there was some type of alien abduction that occurred.
1: They were like, "This girl is smart. We need to abduct her, and take her out of mm-hmm. this country, in this world. <laughs> She's better than it."
0: Potentially, they're really, you know, stunned by her piloting skills. They're mm-hmm. Like, wow! They're like, we need to look fire at this primitive thing. <laughs> Screw your planes. Yeah. Wait till you get a
1: load of what we got.
0: Yeah. No, but the theory ridiculous. there's actually somebody actually created a theory about this. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. There's no evidence, of course, for this. But the theory states that aliens took her and cryogenically froze her in order to be oh. later used for biological exams to maybe figure out, you know, how somebody of this caliber ticks.
1: <laughs> Interesting. OK, so there's no evidence for that, right?
0: Absolutely. <laughs> no. There's actually a lot of evidence. For that. <laughs> <laughs> There's a picture in the archives that shows <laughs>
1: her being beamed up
0: <laughs> <laughs> of a saucer hovering over the ocean. Uh, but no, I mean, think about though. in the end, searches still continue. People are still uh-huh. looking for this. It's oh, like yeah. Oak Island at this point it is. where people One are of the greatest determined.
1: mysteries of all time.
0: Because imagine if you are the person yes. that does actually find something of hers mm-hmm. and you figure can confirm completely it.
1: connect her to a location. That
0: would be huge. Huge news. Yeah. Maybe famous. we'll see that. Maybe we'll see I that. I hope so.
1: I'd love to see that.
0: But at, at this point, it's like, what do you guys think? What's your top theory? Like, what do you think is a scenario that happened to Amelia Earhart?
2: Of course, she could have just landed in the ocean, but I and think died. she could have. I don't know. Uh, the fact that, I don't know. I guess. What do you guys think? Because I guess there are so many possibilities, but I like to think that she landed. I think and she survived for really a bit.
1: Yeah. Living her life. I would agree with that. I think she did. I don't know if it was living her life, having a great old time on the island, but I think she was a prisoner and was used you know, as a, like it's possible that the U S government did know that she was there, that right. she was used as a hostage and they said we have her and they were like, mm, well, we're not going to do what you want us to do yeah. to get her back. So we're just going to go ahead and pretend she went missing.
0: Right. It could be a huge yeah. cover-up for all we know. It could be, it, it could definitely be. could be,
1: especially if she was some type of spy for them and was working with the government.
0: Yeah, exactly. And I it would think. make sense for, you know, the Japanese also to have like the last known photo of her mm-hmm. and to lie about it. That's yeah, what I'm saying. That about it. pictures. I yeah, know. yeah.
2: I don't know. That's why I just feel like she isn't just crashed in the ocean. There's that. That picture is really convincing. It sticks out to me so much as it's not just death that and just
1: interviews that. of people that mm-hmm. live in the Marshall Islands mm-hmm. talking about this. They're, they are so sure that she came like many of them remember seeing her, mm-hmm. remember her walking on the board r- walk. I mean, they're not making this up. There's tons of them to the point where they literally had stamps printed with her on it. It's a huge part of their culture. And that's what really convinces me is they like, why would they make that up? Why would they make that such a big thing? If, if she didn't land there, I think she
2: did. I think so too.
0: Could you possibly entertain the idea that maybe they're all confused and maybe if in fact that picture doesn't show Amelia Earhart and well, it is, it's somebody it? else. I mean, somebody else or even somebody claiming to be Amelia Earhart that they just all sort of believe that whoever this individual was her and that's why. And they happened think to fly there.
1: a plane there and crash at the same time and land. Well, there. that's like, true. What There's woman. All that other what details. white woman would be on the Marshall Islands at this time?
2: Yeah,
0: that's very what true. Yeah.
1: Like, tell me who else this is then.
2: It looks so much. I know, I know I it's refuse just the back to believe of that. her. It's not like it, the face or anything, but mm-hmm. it, it, that's exactly right. Like, she sticks out like a sore thumb. And so
1: does Fred. And
2: yeah, exactly. So does Fred.
1: And everyone they're with in the photo is clearly a local islander.
2: And the fact that the two of them are together in the picture. It's not yeah. like there was a picture here that looks like yeah. Amelia and another picture looks like Fred. Like, they're together. So why what did two someone people take this like this that would be together?
0: Yeah, maybe they were, like, agents, though. Maybe they're, like, undercover agents for the military or something. I
1: guess. But why would they even take this picture? Mm-hmm. I don't know. This whole thing is weird. I think she landed in the Marshall Islands. That's what I think. I think she was eventually killed as a prisoner. There's a lot of theories around her being shot into a shallow grave because several people that lived in the Marshall Islands claim that they saw it happen, that she was a stand— they, like, dug a grave— had them stand over it and shot them both into their graves. And that was the end of them. And there's still people out there that's looking for their bones and trying to find yeah. the grave site and
0: on the Marshall I don't Island. Know, yeah. Maybe,
1: maybe they will find it one day.
0: I think that from my perspective, that theory makes a lot of sense. And I think it's definitely wor- worth, I think it's definitely worth investigating more, uh-huh. but at the same time, I'm definitely with this historical society who's looked at the actual uh-huh. facts and data from this aircraft and the transmissions themselves. I mean, the fact that clearly they were almost out of gas and Mm -hmm. two, they were, you know, according to what they were calling out through the transmissions. If in fact they were hers, they were headed towards this Nicomaruro Island or whatever. And potentially they landed there because they ran, they were going to run out of gas. And so they knew that was the closest place that they could land, but there's nothing on this Island. And then there's virtually no way to call for help. If you know, everything dies, the batteries die they could have been
1: taken prisoner
0: well if there was yeah if there's anybody else on this island but i think yeah this island is there's not much going on there so i don't know i think there's a very good possibility that they you know hit this island but then again it's like i don't know i feel like we would have found more there already if they found a few airplane parts i mean how far away could the rest of the plane be and Mm -hmm. you know has have they gone and searched underwater around this island or not? Yeah,
2: but uh-huh. the fact that they found bones and stuff, that's yeah, why I think she's there. Like, yeah. But yeah. And again, she could be on the Marshall Islands, too. So, I mean, I just think that at some point, I just, whatever, wherever she yeah. is, I don't think she's... I think she ended up on underwater a island somewhere. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: It seems she less was so likely. smart and
1: skilled, too. I think she yeah. could have possibly... Located an island and landed on it because she had so much skill when it came right, to it's flying. Right, it's
0: like really after all this, after flying 22,000 yeah. miles, she's just gonna go down in the ocean.
1: Well, I mean, if she had no other choice, then maybe, but I think there's a possibility she could have landed. Mm-hmm. I don't know. We definitely wanna know what you guys think. It's a controversial one, especially the whole, the recent picture, because so many people are just like, that's 100% fake. And right. I just don't believe that. I think there's plenty of reasons they wouldn't want us, they would want us to think it was taken two years earlier than it was. Right. But
0: well, it's such an easy change, you know, oh. mm-hmm. changing a date. Yeah. Things are archived back, wrong all the time. So yeah.
1: I don't think it really proves it to be no. a false image. No. And like I said, who else is that then? Right. Exactly. Fuck. Doesn't, doesn't make really, sense.
0: Not at all
2: like it looks so much like newton mm-hmm. it it's really serious. does it's, it's so much like him
1: yeah if you look at photos look at that nose i know and the, the sun haircut. is beaming off of it
0: oh, it's crazy. so similar he had a
1: big nose man i don't know <laughs> i don't, I don't know.
0: know let us know what you guys think though definitely an interesting one but we'll go ahead and wrap up this episode there thanks again for listening to the mile podcast hopefully you enjoyed this episode if you did definitely uh Subscribe and follow us on iTunes and Spotify as well as on YouTube. Give it a thumbs up. See some of the pictures that we're actually looking at on YouTube, obviously.
1: But that is it for us this week. We will be back next week with a true crime episode.
0: Yes, I can't wait for that one.
1: Yes, but until then, make sure to always keep your mind a mile higher.